Are you a pastor or ministry leader? Are you thinking of making a transition from your current ministry position? Before you do, take some time in a quiet place to reconnect with God. Focus on the Family Canada has designed a renewal retreat for couples in ministry. Come visit us at Kareth Retreats, a quiet sanctuary where you can receive from God and deepen your connection to Him, your spouse, and your calling. Find rest, find renewal, find reconnection with God. Find out more at karethretreats.ca. I think vulnerability in marriage is saying the things to your spouse that you don't even really want to admit maybe to yourself, but sharing that anyway, sharing fears and stuff about yourself that maybe is uncomfortable. I think uh, vulnerability and transparency means just being honest about everything. I think it means you just don't keep secrets. Uh, Regarding vulnerability, it's easier for me than him. I wonder if those comments describe your marriage. Do you feel like you can be open and transparent, uh, no secrets with your spouse? Today on Focus on the Family, we'll explore how husbands and wives can experience greater vulnerability and intimacy and love in marriage. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I can already hear people going, feelings? Oh, no. (laughs) And uh, they're like, uh, let's go listen to some music right now. But it's true. And this is an area for me that's really difficult. You know, I think when Gene and I talk about this, uh, you know, being an orphan kid, I learned to kind of just put it in a suitcase and deal with it, right? So there's those moments where she's going, uh, I need your heart in this discussion, yeah. and I got to go find it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's hard to do. It's just life can be easier if you just like lock it away and just get up and do the day and be done with it. I think men tend to lean in that direction. We compartmentalize so many things. That's why we're good at battle. We come back like the guys did from World War II and never talked about it. Yeah. We can do that. Uh, women, no, they want to talk about it. They're you know fully integrated. They're two halves of their brains, and uh, <laughs> we end up you know being a little isolated. So today we're gonna we're gonna get into it because it'll make your relationship better. And this is as much for me as it is for you. Mm, yeah, and we're gonna be covering unconditional love, which is something I don't know, Jim. I struggle with this. I'm not. I, I want to love <laughs> my wife unconditionally, but I put stipulations and causes, and I'm, I'm just a human, a selfish guy, and I'm trying, but it's hard. Sounds like rules and regulations. <laughs> you are going to bring up the first point there. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. All right. Well, no couple loves each other perfectly, and uh, that's the promise we have for today's show. And our guests are Dave and Ashley Willis. Uh, they've been here a number of times, and uh, we're so glad to have them back. Dave and Ashley are authors and speakers and co-founders of StrongerMarriage.org, and they host the Naked Marriage podcast. And uh, since 2018, they've been part of the XO Marriage Ministry. They've written a number of books, and uh, we're going to be covering the content of uh, two in particular today, uh, a wife's edition and a husband's edition of Seven Days to a Naked Marriage. And uh, we've got those two books bundled here at the ministry. The details are at focusonthefamily.ca. Well, Dave and Ashley, welcome back. Thank hey, you. Hey, guys. It's great to be back. It's we love hanging out with you. It's to have you here. It's just it. like we're talking as old friends, right? Yes. And that's so good. Uh, man, let's start with your love story. It's always fun to do that. You guys are so vulnerable and so open with uh, both the highlights of that and the low lights of that. Uh, how did you meet, and when did you know you were going to get married? Was it like love at first sight? Well, it kind of was for me. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Male you me. know, it took her... Uh, <laughs> Maybe took her longer, <laughs> but I don't know. It was no, pretty quick. When, when she walked in, it was her very first day of college, and and I was a junior. I was a couple years ahead, and and she walked into class one day, and uh, I don't even know if she 
saw me or knew I existed, but she was laughing and talking and, and just lit up the room. And I thought, I've got to get to know her. Now, and why were you there in this uh, particular room? Were you a junior that was looking at the freshman? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, like, what was no. going on there? Making up for yeah. a, a You're making class. me sound like yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> really, really oh terrible. Goodness. You had a function, yes, I would that assume? was actually part of the... Orientation uh, or something? <laughs> right, yeah. Let me, <laughs> let, let me help. Uh, let, me, let me help uh, the new freshmen find their yeah. way around. No, I, it was a class I'd kind of like put off. It was actually an acting class randomly. We mm-hmm. were communication majors and in communication at our little liberal arts school, a little Christian school where we went, they they threw acting in as one of the classes you could take. And I'd kind of put it off because I'm like, I don't want to do that. But I put it off. I took it my junior year. She took it as a freshman mm-hmm. and it was just so fun. And of course, I looked for every excuse to like do act- acting scenes together. Like, oh, you know, we would work well together. Especially Let's- the kissing scene. Right. I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. You really did try. We never got paired, though. I don't know why, like in that class. But you said you noticed me because I was wearing a hat. I'm a big time person. I noticed hat a person, lot more than the hat, but yeah. But we I was wearing this hat. like fisherman's hat that's really popular in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, um, and we, we chatted it up that whole semester. We were just kind of acquaintances, kind of friends. And then you ended up asking me to your fraternity formal and we went to each other's, like we went to some dances together and uh, really got to know each other. And very quickly, I mean, we we really, I just felt like we both, we started talking marriage pretty quickly, wouldn't you say, Wow, sweetie? that's good though. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, that's, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I knew I had to like, I had to seal this deal before she realized how much better she could do. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like that she's is out of my true. league. I've got to <laughs> make sure that you are a I'm laying the plane here. And, <laughs> no, it's so true. We just knew. I mean, we, we did. We knew like we wanted to be together and, mm-hmm. and uh, of course we had a lot to learn, but yes. we knew we wanted to figure it out together. We wanted to we wanted to be husband and wife and so we we got engaged pretty quickly and it's always a little bit of an awkward moment when that you know it can be mm-hmm. and you know you don't want to make the assumption because that's not good and then right. you want to get the point across that man i'm really interested so mm-hmm. it's always that struggle of where's that line gene and i had that i mean we knew both of us i think knew but it took us this is kind of funny it took us like six months yeah yeah to get to the point of going do you think that Mm-hmm. Do you think? Right. <laughs> no, I, right. And you don't even have to fill in the blank. She knows uh-huh. exactly what I'm well, talking about. I, you, me you telling think? her I love her for the first that, time that was, was one of the, the most yeah. awkward moments <laughs> oh, yeah. of my life because I was so nervous, right? And so she was like, what do you think? And I, I, I wanted to say it, but I couldn't get it out. And I'm like, I was just, you know, I was I was thinking like, um, you know, like I, I was just thinking and uh, that I, you know, I am. I, um, he literally did this. I, it went on. It sounds I, uh, like a TV show. It, it was. And she was just smiling, waiting for it. I was like, I love, you know, I. You didn't even. Say I it. really, I think that I love, and before I could even get it out, she said, I love you too. I did. Oh, that's I she rescued me. And I said, she rescued me. I said, sweetie, <laughs> I love you too. Well, you know, it's And then you were like, oh, okay. There's so much in that transaction because, guys, we do not like to fail. Mm-hmm. And we don't yeah. want to go out yeah. on a limb unless we have an assurance that we're <laughs> yes. going to win. Yes. So that's why I think guys hesitate. Like, uh, I'm not quite sure I'm getting the right vibe from you. So yes. that's why you got to finish the sentence for us. <laughs> Thank you, my love. Thank <laughs> you. Do, do, do you think? Uh... She's been rescuing me ever since. <laughs> Let me ask true. you about this. You have a quote that you like, and it says, love is not enough for a marriage to work. I mean, I understand it, mm-hmm. but come on. Isn't love enough? Well, I mean, love in the world's definition, like, is the world's definition of love is really so superficial. You know, it's kind of this uh, something we derive from love songs and Hallmark movies, and and it, where it's this picture of love where it's always going to be easy if you marry the right person. You're always going to have these feelings. You're never going to struggle. It's never going to take real work. But 
but real marriage takes a lot more than that. I mean, it takes a commitment to each other, even mm-hmm. on the days when maybe you, you struggle to like each other in that moment, mm-hmm. um, because you're so committed to each other, and it's rooted in action. And that's that's the way God God loves us with a committed love that's rooted in action, and and we've got to love each other that way. So I, I think we've got to just break free from the world's very shallow definition of love to what God has in store and in mind for marriage, which is it's selfless, it's sacrificial at times, it's going to take work, but it's so worth it. Hmm. Right. I was thinking about the transactional nature of that. You think of the world, and now you know psychology has shown that basically love defined by the world, is that infatuation, Yes. It lasts about two years. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like God's sense of humor to say, okay, I'm going to give you a dose of dopamine in your brain. It's going to give you, you're going to have this infatuation because right. if you didn't, it probably would never, we'd never have children. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's true. I mean, he, yes. he does in the way he created us. He gives us this, like, you could do nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And then that wears off. Yeah. And then the hard work of marriage starts. Sure. You know, yeah, right. you're doing everything wrong. Well, I didn't think it was me. I thought it was you. And blah, 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 blah. You know, yes. how, that, how, how that all goes. So uh, we mentioned your books, uh, Seven Days to a Naked Marriage. And I guess the question is, hey, how'd you come up with that title? Everybody's going, did I just hear that correctly? And, and then, um, you know, it's, it's talking about a... a bouquet of intimacy, if I could say it that way. Yes, Emotional. That. That's going to be yes. our next book. But first, the bouquet of intimacy. For some of those folks that are going, what, what, what? They use the word naked? God yes. uses the word naked. Right. What? Yeah. I Where? know. Hey, Genesis. Genesis. Okay, give it to me. <laughs> well, in Genesis 2, it talks about Adam and Eve, the very first married couple, being naked and unashamed. And that's really where having a naked marriage comes from. It's being naked. Yes, physically, that's a part of it. That's an awesome part of it. Oh, but yeah. that's not the only part. we got to be naked physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And basically, it means being vulnerable. Being vulnerable, you know, showing everything, really being known and fully knowing your spouse. I mean, that's really the goal. Yeah. Is And that's when you get that grit that you're talking about that we don't tend to have, you know, in those first two years where we're going off the dopamine we had from the infatuation. But when, you know, everything really gets, you know, the reality hits that like, oh my gosh, we're imperfect people and we have to work things out. And I don't like every little thing you do. Like there's things that annoy me and I need to work through that. You know, that's where we have to get that grit to work through all those things. And, and we get that by being honest and by loving through those hard times yeah. and not letting it be this conditional kind of willy-nilly, if I'm not feeling it, I'm not going to be here for you kind of love. Well, I, I think even, you know, we're kind of giggling and laughing about the title and all that, but there is a um, a deep problem in the church. I mean, even some people listening, and I get it, everybody, there's a certain, I don't know if it's false prudishness about it, but that the Lord created us. Right, yes. Naked and unashamed, like we were just there. Mm-hmm. And then sin enters into humanity, and all of a sudden we're covered and ashamed. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. we still live that way. Even, if I can say it, even in the Christian community, mm-hmm. marriages live in that place of cover-up and shame. Yeah. Yes. But they don't have to, is the good news. Right. Like, we mm-hmm. get back to God's original design and by His grace, and we can get back to that place of being naked and unashamed, where, yeah, we, we still have flaws. Nakedness is that picture of vulnerability, where, whether it's physical or emotional. It says, like, this is me, like mm-hmm. kind of warts and all, scars and all. And I see you and, and your scars too, but I accept you just the way you are. You accept me just the way that I am. And there's such a, 
an intimate connection that happens when you can be fully known and fully loved by someone. And God fully knows us and fully loves us. So he went first. I mean, he went first with showing us what that looks like. But in marriage, we can get back to that place. So it's it's heartbreaking for us when we see couples that are hiding from each other, Mm -hmm. hiding certain things, um, because they're robbing themselves of that deep, wonderful, intimate connection that yeah. God designed them to have. Right. You uh, you did premarital counseling. By the way, uh, that is critically important. Again, we lean on a lot of research here at Focus. I think that's one reason. Hopefully, you trust what we have to say, mm-hmm. the resources that we produce, etc. But uh, the minimum number of hours, if you can receive 10 hours of premarital counseling, your mm-hmm. likelihood of staying together is quite high. It's in the, I think, the 90-something percentile yeah, range yeah. for 10 hours of counseling. Now, we, we Gene and I, we saw that. We had probably 12 couples in our premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. I think three walked out saying, we're, yeah, we're not ready for this. Wow. That's good. But that's a good yeah. thing, right? That's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, is. that they were... It caught their attention. Mm-hmm. We are not either meant for each other or, you know, we need to do some work. So how was your premarital counseling? And did you guys go in going, we are so much alike? Yeah. We're oh, so, yeah. We, no, we totally did. We get a discount on our wedding license if we check this off the box. But Oh, my goodness. No, but we learned a lot, and it challenged us, and it, it was a wake-up call. It helped it us was to see we're call. not nearly as wow. as good as we think. So think you we were are. in there and you realized that. Oh yeah, I wasn't that smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we did, especially in the area of communication. We went in very prideful because both of us have degrees in communication. My parents we, are right; it was a dumb major. Uh, no, it's not. We've used it. But when <laughs> how it comes, are you going to feed yourself with that major? <laughs> I, no, well, I wouldn't want to go. They there. honestly did ask that. Like, really, they did. Poetically, here you are. I, yeah, I, we're, yeah. we're using it, guys. Yeah, we did it. We did it. <laughs> No, but we really did. We thought even with like relationships, like we were like, oh, even in marriage, like we got this, like we majored in communication, like we got this. And they did this exercise with us where basically they had us each say something and the other could not talk when the other, like when the spouse was talking, telling a story. And it was like in a minute or something. And we're supposed to listen intently. And then when they're finished, we're supposed to say what I hearing you say is, and then we would say what we thought we were hearing them say. And we both did this and we both really really got it wrong. Like, because I think what we were doing, instead of actually listening, we were thinking about how good we are at this and what we were going to say back. And we were assuming we knew what they were going to say, because that's what we tend to do. And right then and there, it was like, it was a wake up call to us. Like, man, we have a lot of work to do in this communication thing. And that it's not something that you just arrive at, like in life, it's a journey. Like you're always learning about each other. You always need to be a good listener and um, not just think about your response, like really listen to your spouse. And so we've, we've worked on that, you know, for 22 years. We're, you know, and we're still learning. Always, and how's that going, learning. Dave? Is it- yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's it's a lot better than it was. At better those than exercises. it was. Okay. I'm, I'm a <laughs> work in progress. Her answer that question. Yes, that was love, excellent. How do you feel like it's going? I yeah. concur. No, I, I have that problem where I finish. You know, people are going to go. You are kidding me. But I'll tend to if Jean's kind of taking a little while to put the noun at the end of the uh, sentence. Mm-hmm. I'll offer three or four. <laughs> You're like the Google auto. You know, start typing it in. She's so Google good. Things. She yeah. likes. She'll look at me and say. Can I finish my sentence? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm still doing it. We've been married 37 years. Yes. And that's what you're talking about. That's yes. not See, I interpret good listening skills as finishing someone's sentence. Right. I'm really listening to you. In <laughs> fact, so intently, I can finish what you're going to say. Right, right. Uh, they don't think so. Exactly. She doesn't think so. Exactly. No, and I've done that for Dave. Like, there's been several <laughs> times where I'm like, I'll insert something, and he's like, no, no that like, is not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go get a sandwich. 
Go for a run. Go to Lowe's. Like, no, no. I'm, I'm going to go to take it's a shower. Like this this multiple choice thing. Right. Yeah. Yes. Just let me say it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Grooming, abuse, exploitation. Sadly, these are some of the horrors that young girls face around the world. But counseling, medical attention, and healing, these are some of the blessings that girls receive in safe houses run by the ministry Dignity Freedom Network. Your gift can be the promise to a brighter future. Restore freedom and dignity for children broken by injustice. Change a life forever at dfncanada.info. dfncanada.info. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. So often people are reactive and not proactive, but in light of the recent increase in interest rates, do not wait until your mortgage comes up for renewal. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to advantage as surely as haste leads to poverty. Speak to your financial institution and other banks several months prior to your mortgage renewal to, to obtain an estimate of what your future mortgage payment will be. Develop a future projected budget to determine if you can afford the higher mortgage payment. If yes, then you can stay where you are. If no, then take the necessary action, possibly eliminating discretionary expenses or increasing your income, or possibly selling your home and downsizing. Do whatever is necessary in advance before your mortgage comes due so you don't get into a situation where the bank has a legal right to take over your house under a power of sale or a foreclosure. Proverbs 12.15 says, A wise man is he who listens to counsel. To learn more, access our numerous resources, most of which are free at copelandfinancialministries.org. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Dave, one obstacle to the vulnerability of marriage is something you call emotional sunburn. Now, being a fair-skinned Irish guy, I'm connecting with you. I have had plenty of sunburns in my life, and now I go to the dermatologist quite regularly. Mm -hmm. But what does that mean, emotional sunburn? Yeah, so like when our family would go to the beach, we'd notice that none of us were applying sunscreen effectively, and we're, we were all pretty fair-skinned. And so by the time we get back home at the end of the night, everybody was, was sore, needing aloe, and just in a bad mood. Why did we go there? Why did we do that? That was horrible. And, and I would notice that if someone would come and just tap my back, <laughs> like, hey, Dave, how was your day? And they, they'd pat me on the back. I'd want to punch him in the face, right? Because they touched a place where I was wounded. It had nothing to do with anything they did wrong. Mm. There was just under my shirt, there was this wound that they could not see. Mm -hmm. And in marriage, I think we all kind of carry to some level, these invisible emotional sunburns that over time, you know, our, our hearts have been wounded by different things. Maybe we've even wounded one another. These wounds can be invisible. And yet, when our spouse in close proximity to us just says something or just kind of touches us a certain way, it might evoke this irrational emotional response that surprises them and makes them think that they've done something terribly wrong when really it's just a defense mechanism that we build up to protect our own wound. And so in marriage, you've got to become experts in navigating each other's woundedness and not lashing out in your own woundedness Mm -hmm. because it's something that all of us are prone to do. When we're hurt, we tend to lash out and cause further damage. But in marriage, we have to take a step back, even in our pain sometimes, and lean in and really work through the process together. Okay, I'll stick with the analogy of the sunburn. So what's the aloe? What do you mm. put on that, that soothes that pain? Mm. That's, that's yes. a great question. I, I think that the aloe is a combination of listening, of tenderness, of compassion, of encouraging words, of just serving one another. And depending on your spouse's temperament, their personality, the level of the woundedness, their own individual kind of love language, all those things, that aloe might look a little bit different. But for all of us, it's going to require 
a lot of tenderness and time. Well, and I think one of the challenges you have there is that it's typically an external treatment, meaning your spouse provides it. If you have those wounds, it's hard for you to provide it for yourself. Right. But when your spouse is able to soothe you, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. And really, we, we also have to lean lean into the Lord on our own. Of course. So like our, our spouse has to be part of that process, but your woundedness is something you need to take first to Jesus uh, and find that healing in him and then let your spouse be part of that process. Don't shut them out from it. Don't push them away. Yeah. You, you use the books. You, you use actually the marital vows. We haven't really said that. Mm-hmm. Um, one is to love and cherish. And Dave, I understand you like to illustrate this vow with living room furniture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure. That sounds really romantic, by the it, way. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Connect the dots for me. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm a visual learner, right? So if I can like see something, I, I, I just kind of understand the concept more. And so in, in one of the a, a talk we did in a marriage conference, we had some furniture on stage. There was a love seat in the middle and two individual chairs next to the love seat. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're I all, know where this is going. A good start, yes. right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so the love seat, we would sit in and we'd say, okay, now this represents, you know, it's an actual love seat, but it represents, you know, love where love should live in your marriage, where you're united, you're here together. Mm-hmm. But another posture marriage can have is when you're in these two individual seats. You know, you're not the same place. You know, it's his and hers, and from this distance, it's so easy to get disconnected, to blame each other, to not lean in, to not connect intimately, and so many couples are in this dynamic. And so the, the whole goal is like, let's get in that love seat together, which means we're united physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mm-hmm. we're, we're together. You know, our, our proximity is near one another, both physically and emotionally. And, and if you're not there, if you feel that distance, then work actively to figure out how, where the distance started. Mm-hmm. And then how do we get back together? How do we write this course and, and get back in the same place again? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, Ashley, you've been really vulnerable in the writing of these. And even when we've been here at the studio talking, you guys are refreshingly open about your shortcomings, which is great. That's what we attach to, because when we're honest, we got similar ones, if not the exact same right, ones. Right. And in that way, uh, you don't always feel lovingly or inviting toward Dave, especially when you've been dealing with children all day long. That's completely yes. understandable. What advice do you have for wives, mothers? who struggle to cherish their husbands mm-hmm. because they're not that cherishable. <laughs> <laughs> so oh I guess the quid pro quo there is, yeah. A, do we have to earn that cherished spot? And then B, how does a woman show that kind of cherishness toward her husband, if that's a word? Yes, no, I love that question because I do, especially when we are in the thick of raising children, we can get so kind of focused on the kids that we get frustrated when our husband actually needs something. Like when our husband comes to us and is like, hey, you want to have some intimate time together? Or hey, do you want to go on a date? It feels like another thing on the list. And so what I would say... So when you say, are you serious? That's really not a good response. Right. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. But I mean, I totally get the sentiment of it. Yes. And I've probably said it before myself. Yeah. Because I do, I think we feel like there's all these plates we're keeping spinning, these all these things we're trying to you know take off the list or whatever. But I think that we, we can't see our husband in our relationship with our husband that way. I mean, this is the one that we have pledged to live our whole life with. That yeah. It's our best friend. And so we have to, to not see him as another thing on our list and really make intentional time for him to really spend that time and, and talk to him. And I mean, that may look like putting the kids to bed earlier than you normally would so that you can have an actual conversation Four with your husband. Bedtime. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, I know. And the kids, I would just say the kids aren't going to like it. The kids aren't going to like an hour earlier bedtime. 
But that's okay. I mean, you're the parents. You got to set those rules and just have that time. And even just, you know, making sure that there's room in your day for your spouse. And I would encourage husbands too, especially in the thick of raising kids, like don't let everything fall on your wife. You guys are partners. You're in this together. Make sure that you're communicating well and assume the best of each other. Assume the best that he didn't know that you expected him to do that or she did not know that you had put that on the calendar. Like just go and communicate and say, listen, I would like more time with you. And if you go from the heart, I mean, that's how you cherish each other is really getting to the heart of things and that you want to have that time together. Ashley, one thing I want to recognize for wives and and mothers right now is that as you were talking, it hit me. Everybody's pulling on you. Yes. And I can get that because typically in that busy season, you're not as the wife initiating intimacy mm-hmm. right. um, and you feel like I've got the kids pulling on me and I got my husband pulling on me. Mm-hmm. It's pour out, pour out, give, 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 give. Who's filling my tank. Right. Just describe that. And then what can we do as husbands to help fill that tank up in a way that feels um, true right. and not motivated by some other underlying desire. Exactly. No, and that you just hit the nail on the head. I think that that is when when wives feel like, oh, he's only doing this because he knows we're going to have special time together later. It can feel inauthentic. And so I would say, yes, I agree with you. I mean, I, I remember those times. My kids are a little older now, but I remember feeling like, man, literally, like literally and figuratively everything and everyone pulling at me. And it just felt like, gosh, can I just have a moment to myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And I would say as a husband, what you can do is help help give your wife that moment to herself. Like I remember just a little example um, when we had, we had several small children in our house and uh, we were at a new place and I was trying to get kind of, you know, into the community. And I had this girl come up to me at church and said, Hey, Ashley, I heard it used to be a dancer. Well, we have a dance team at our church and it's kind of a small group too. We pray together. We do life together. Would you like to come? And I'm like, well, yes, I would love to come. When do you meet? And she was like, Tuesdays at seven or whatever. And immediately I thought I have too much on me. I can't do that. And I later on in the day, was talking to Dave about it and was like, he was like, how was your day? You know? And I was like, Oh, well, Sarah came up to me and told me that the church has a dance team. Isn't that just so cool? They celebrate the arts, man. I would just love to be part of that. It's just too bad. I can't. And he stopped me right there and said, no, no, no. When is it? And I was like, Tuesdays at seven. And he goes, I will rearrange my schedule. Uh We're giving you Tuesdays at seven. And it was like every week having small children. And at the time I was staying at home. So it was like, I was at home all day with kids, which is awesome. And I loved it. But to be able to go and be with people who love the Lord, who love to dance, who want to pray with me and do life with me. It literally just was, it was like wind, fresh wind to me. Yeah. And so I would just encourage husbands, it may not be a dance team for your wife, but like (laughs) find a way to give her that time. And then I'm telling you, when she sees you being intentional about giving her that time, it naturally, she feels cherished and she's going to lean in more to you because she knows you're trying to be a true partner. Well, this has been great. I mean, I think people are getting the vibe that this is good material. (laughs) And, uh, you know, again, everything rests on the foundation of the Lord and that's what's so good. And yeah, you know, it's obvious when you read the word and pray and the Lord gives you the insights how this should roll. We still struggle with that, even yes. as Christians. But you have done a great job with seven days to a naked marriage, the guy's edition and the girl's edition. And I uh, hope you're feeling it. So thank you for being with us. Thank you and, for having us. Uh, for the folks, I mean, again, we're trying to put a good meal in front of you every day that we're in the <laughs> studio. and you know, give you a resource and some thoughts and ideas that make your marriage better. 
And this is one of those resources we believe in. So get in touch with us. And when you do, please consider how you can support Focus on the Family Canada. Uh, Focus Canada is listener-supported, which means you provide the fuel uh, that they need to strengthen marriages and empower parents, save preborn babies, and so much more right across Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, donate today, and uh, you can make that contribution when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Again, 800, the letter A in the word family, or focusonthefamily.ca. And when you're online, check out our free marriage assessment. More than a million people have taken this, and it's a really tremendous resource. It'll take maybe 10 or 15 minutes even uh, for this assessment as a couple, and you take it, and then you'll have hours of conversation afterwards about what's working well in the relationship and maybe some improvement points. It's free, so check out the Focus on the Family Marriage Assessment online. We're at focusonthefamily.ca. Dave and Ashley, again, thanks for being with us. Let's come back next time and keep exploring this great topic. Can we do that? Oh, I'd love it. Yeah, thank you for having us. Well, we hope you can join us then. And uh, for now, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.